Welcome to The V-Hive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Hi guys, happy Wednesday. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that if you become a member of the VHive this month, and if you are already a member, I will be donating 100% of the profits to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, a nonprofit that pays criminal bail and immigration bond for those who cannot afford to as we seek to end discriminatory, coercive, and oppressive jailing. So if you are not already a member, I highly recommend you become one for as low as $2.99 a month for the basic membership. You will get a bonus AMA episode, Ask Me Anything, where you can send in your questions and at the end of the month, I will create a bonus episode answering all of your questions anonymously in one episode. And you will also receive exclusive discount codes to my favorite products. So if you want to become a member, go to www.thevhive.com backslash memberships and everything is there. Today's guest is a woman named Sarah Bigham who lives with a host of medical conditions, including interstitial cystitis and vulvodynia, and has channeled her medical experiences into creative work, which is really, really interesting. And I am so excited to have you get into all of this. But Sarah also wrote a book called Kind Chemist Wife Musings at 3 a.m., which was released this spring from a small independent press and is a memoir essay collection that deals in part with her experiences as a chronic pain patient. And Sarah sent me a copy, which was so nice, and I've been reading it, and it's so interesting. So I want to plug your book for you before we begin and just say if anyone is interested in reading it it's on Amazon and it just you write like all of these random stories throughout your life but like they're not random and they all kind of intertwine really beautifully and I don't know it's it's a really good cool interesting book that you wrote and I think that a lot of people will relate to the stories of your life just you know like you go from when you were a child when you were in school and how it kind of relates to now you're a teacher and your whole life intertwines in in a really special way so I think everyone should go buy your book (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I appreciate that I, I always promised myself that if I started to heal and feel better, that I would share my story. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that people did not think of chronic pain patients or people with chronic health conditions as sort of 
different type people, Mm -hmm. but instead realized that we're just like everybody else. We have life stories and family relationships and, and all of that. We're just like everybody else. We just have these added challenges. A hundred percent. And thank you for being here today and just being so willing to share your unique and inspiring story. Um, can you start by just walking us through your life? Sure, sure. So I was a relatively healthy person overall, um, healthy enough to be a bone marrow donor, which I did about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than dealing with migraines and headaches, which I'd had since I was a little kid, I hadn't had anything overly problematic. Um, So about six years ago, I was outside uh, gardening, which is something I love to do. And even though my wife had said to me, are you going out in that to garden, which by that, that she meant I didn't have any shoes on and <laughs> I, I wasn't really looking like I was going to do serious gardening, but I assured her that I was fine and then proceeded to drop pruning shears into the top of my foot mm. and that was not ideal and I wound up needing stitches and I got this horrible infection and then they discovered I had severe anemia and I had to go through iron infusions and I was really sick and I was finally starting to feel better from all of that and I woke up one morning and thought oh I think I have a bladder infection Mm -hmm. and it wasn't Mm. it turns out that ultimately it took quite some time but I was ultimately diagnosed with interstitial cystitis and vulvodynia and when I looked at my list last night in preparation for our discussion today, I have dozens of things on my list of, quote, diagnoses, and the things like interstitial cystitis and vulvodynia, uh, along with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, and the most recent thing is a mast cell activation issue of some sort. Those have been the most disruptive to me Mm -hmm. uh, recently and I know as someone who also uh, suffers from some of these same things or lives with I should say lives with uh, some of these same things you you know how that is Mm. it's a a tough (laughs) it's a tough deal Mm -hmm. Um, so I then went into the cycle that so many of us have found where we go from doctor to doctor to treatment to treatment in a in a desperate attempt to try and find things that will will work for us. Yeah. And I've tried so many different medications and so many different supplements and injections and capsaicin cream and PT and pretty much anything that is out there as a potential treatment, I I feel as if I've tried. Right. And thankfully, now I am in what I consider to be a fairly well-managed state, Mm -hmm. and I have found what works for me. Yeah. And it's hard because, as, as you well know, and your podcast, I'm so thankful for your podcast. It helped me feel much less alone. Thank you. And it also helped me understand what was happening to my body Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you 
routinely talk about is how we're all different. Right. And there isn't one treatment that's going to help everybody who has interstitial cystitis or painful bladder syndrome or vulvodynia or any of these uh, kinds of pelvic pain situations. Mm-hmm. You all, we all have to figure out what it is that, that works for us. And that's, that's a hard thing to have to do when you're feeling horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was really glad to have that, that message from you and from others that you, you just have to keep going until you find what works for you. That makes me happy to hear that, you know, this podcast has brought you um, hope and education and, and comfort and it always makes me feel good to know that that this podcast is positively impacting people and then I'm also so glad that you reached out and, you know, are sharing your story so openly because it's stories like yours and and people who are willing to share their stories that really help to make other women suffering feel less alone and ultimately heal themselves. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, and you're most welcome and thank you. And I think that alone feeling is the worst, especially Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And if you had told me at the beginning of my journey that I would be on your podcast, (laughs) I would have laughed, although at the time laughing hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I would have laughed actually, but I I hope that that our conversation does give hope to, to other women who are at the beginning of their journeys with whatever it is they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. that you can and you will feel better. It takes time but you, you can get better. Mm-hmm. I know it will. It, it, it without a doubt will. Um, yes. There's a few things that I want to ask you and that I want to talk about with you. Um, I mean, one of them is the really, really cool artwork that you make. I want you to explain all of that because I just think it's so interesting and I've never heard of any... <laughs> anything like it in my life and I I really don't know if anyone else does what you do in terms of art so it's pretty unique and I will say it's one of the things that compelled me to to want to have you on the podcast is just how you channeled a form of pain into something beautiful and I know that uh, there are probably people who are listening who do this who were have been just like I have been where you I mean the title of my book talks about musings at 3 a.m. and that's a real thing mm-hmm. wandering the house at 3 a.m. yeah <laughs> um I'm an I'm a night owl by nature anyway but the the pain issue amplified that mm. and I I know what it's like to be despondent at three in the morning and I think for me, the the pain itself is really hard to describe to people who have not been in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the nerve pain aspect of things, it's just it's excruciating yeah. at times. Um, and then with pelvic pain specifically, as as you've often talked about on your show, is it's not really what people want to talk about, right? I often say to my wife, um, why couldn't it be my elbow that hurts? Mm. 
because people can talk about their elbows or their knees or they're getting new hips or whatever in, in polite company. But talking about your pelvis is not something that people tend to do. Yeah. Um, and I decided when I got really sick and was in horrible pain that, you know, forget all of that. We, I, I'm not going to worry about what is polite and what is not polite because we're just going to put it out there so people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume this has happened to you too where people will look at you and say, well, you don't look sick. Yes. You don't look like there's anything yes. wrong with you. And other than having rosacea, which makes my face flare really red at times, I don't look sick either. Mm-hmm. So, And I put on a really, really good show when I'm at work especially or mm-hmm. when I'm with friends and I'm energized by what I do and I love seeing other people. But that doesn't mean that you're not also dealing with pain. Right. Um, and another thing... Um, a lot of people is who are living with chronic pain is that kind of a, a whispered situation where people will talk about how they have a different identity now. Mm-hmm. They used to be something, they used to be, and they might identify by their career or their uh, family relationships or where they live or what their hobbies are. But once you become sick, you are now the sick person. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, that was really hard. I'm My job is, I'm a professor at a community college and I really, really love it. And it is, I love the students, I love my colleagues, I love what I do. And because of my situation, my medical situation, I now am, I have part-time status instead of I'm on reduced hours. And that was really hard for me mentally to have to accept that that's what I needed to do. Um, I'm really glad that I did it. It's the only way, along with all the treatments and things, that I started to feel better. Um, And it's the only way I can keep myself well. But that's a hard thing to accept when you're somebody who has spent your life being a really hardworking professional. Uh But with all of that pain, um, I then, as you mentioned, decided, okay, I'm wandering the house at 3 a.m. I need to be doing something. Mm. Um, And at the time, our house was configured in a way where you could sort of walk in a circle from the kitchen into the dining room, into the living room, and you could just keep circling. And I would circle one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, and the cats would follow me. And I I thought, I'm I can't sleep. I'm in too much pain to sleep. I can't sit down because those of us with vulvodynia and interstitial cystitis sitting down is torturous. What am I going to do? Wandering is sort of the only thing. And then it occurred to me that there had to be something else that I could do. So while I am not a professionally trained artist, I am not a professionally trained writer. I, I teach in the social sciences and education department at my community college. Um, I, I took one art class in college as a pass-fail and, and loved it. Um, and you wrote about it in I your got, book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And, you know, I was, I was, I, I would never have thought that I was destined for making art based on that class. But I, I had kept all of my watercolors from that 
time and I got them out and I also realized that those of us who have painful bladder syndrome, also known as interstitial cystitis, many of the medications that are given to us either to take long term or when one has a flare, they make your urine some really alarming shades. Yep. <laughs> There's one that, that, you know, you pee and it, you, you suddenly have this bright orange pee, mm-hmm. and then there's another one that it turns it really blue. So I thought, wow, obviously there's some color going on here, and some of the medications and supplements that I no longer needed or that were expired, I thought, well, let's dissolve those and see what happens. So I dissolved those, and I poured them onto paper. I used them as painting. Um, I then started incorporating some other things. Uh, My wife is a chemist, and she has uh, equipment that I never remember the names of that help distill things, and um, I did use wine that had been partially evaporated. Um, We have three cats, so I started incorporating cat hair. And I was using lots of different things that really no normal art class is going to tell you to use. But I had fun doing it, and I loved the patterns that it made. Mm -hmm. And the patterns really spoke to me, and they would help distract my mind from the pain cycle. So I enjoyed creating them, and then my sister saw one of them and said, you need to show this to people. Mm. People will really like this. Yeah. And I, I thought she was half nuts, to be quite honest, because <laughs> I thought, who, who else wants to see this? This is just for my own entertainment. But it turns out people really like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've had some art shows, and I've had a couple solo shows, I've had some work in group shows and I have some samples on my website and I'm hoping to have some prints available for sale as well and it's people oftentimes ask about the prints and I kind of smile and think yep I I gotta get on that it's one of the challenges with having some of these chronic illnesses is you've got these great ideas but not the energy to carry them out I know I'll get to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they are really interesting. And I was looking at your website before the podcast, and you have some images of the artwork there. But can you talk about, like, what kind of art is it exactly? Yes, it is abstract art. Mm-hmm. And when I have to describe it for shows or entering various competitions and things, I always describe it as abstract watercolor or abstract mixed media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one painting, for instance, that's in our, our living room, and it is titled Simon, and Simon was one of our cats who is no longer, who's passed away, and he was a black and white tuxedo. And the painting is multiple colors, and it does not look like a cat at all. Um, So my wife, the scientist, who is far more into uh, representational art, where if, if I were painting Simon, 
then it would look like a black and white tuxedo cat. She, of course, looked at this painting and said, oh, okay, and that's Simon. <laughs> but for me, it's how I feel about uh-huh. Simon. Uh-huh. So I think one of the things that illness has taught me is that I am very much a product of my feelings. Right. And it is good for me to be able to express them. And, and so also therapeutic. My, uh, yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. So on the days when I am, you can see some of my art, and I have had other pain patients who will say to me, I know what that is. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and they'll be looking at a painting that I made on a day after I had a really torturous treatment and it was, it's, I just had so much pain and it's hard to describe, but you can put it on paper Mm. and it gives me a place to put all of that so that it doesn't just live within me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. And you write as well, obviously, because you have a book, but that's another creative outlet that you've utilized. Um, Talk about that for a little bit. Sure. So writing is one of those things that I enjoyed doing when I was a kid. And then I got away from that and didn't do creative writing for a very long time. But once I became sick, I thought, okay, here's another thing that I can do at two in the morning. Here's Mm -hmm. another thing I can do at (laughs) three in the morning. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I taught myself the process of how you submit work to journals and magazines and online places. And I've now had over 150 different pieces published. I do poetry and essays and short stories. Mm -hmm. And of course I have um, the recent book and it's called Kind Chemist Wife, Musings at 3 a.m. And the Kind Chemist Wife refers to Susan, um, my wife who is a chemistry professor. And she is one of the reasons that I am uh, still here and still thriving in the midst of in midst of all of this she has been a wonderful wonderful support to me mm. and uh, I never realized how helpful it would be to have a chemist in my life <laughs> <laughs> um, her knowledge is has been really helpful yeah. like for instance with painful bladder syndrome one of the treatments are what are called bladder installations and Many times people have to go to a clinic to do the bladder installations. And uh, the nice thing is that because I have an organic chemist at home, we were able to, uh, I, I was taught how to do the uh, bladder installations at home. So mm-hmm. I would do the self-catheterization, which is a skill I never thought I'd have to have. But, <laughs> you know, nevertheless, I right. now have it. And Susan would mix up the various chemicals that would then be instilled. Mm. So um, those are the things you don't think about, really, when you go through the marriage ceremony, (laughs) for better or for worse. I don't think bladder installations ever entered my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But I am really, really glad that I have her and that she has 
been such a such a key part of my recovery that's really special and I just want to highlight the fact that over time you found these creative outlets because it is so true and so it's a fact that creative outlets such as painting and writing and dancing and singing um are really 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 healing and I think it's important just to you know that you're sharing that message that we're sharing this message today because I think that if more people with pain can find outlets that bring them joy such as painting and writing um it could help them tremendously and you know even I was thinking about it like during this time of quarantine puzzles everyone's doing puzzles and for me even whether I have pain or not I think puzzles are so therapeutic because you're just sitting there you're in silence but you're doing something where your brain's working and thinking and, and you're not thinking about anything else so I just find these outlets so interesting because they really do help to get your mind off of the pain to help calm your body down to distract yourself to do something fun and creative so I think it's really cool that that you know and and amazing that you've found these outlets that you utilize them to help heal you and I really just want everyone to know how helpful all of this creative work can be exactly Mm -hmm. find your bliss Whatever it is, I also, I find a lot of comfort in books um, and then podcasts like yours and organizations that help people with conditions like ours, websites and online support forums. I originally tried to find a face-to-face support group Mm -hmm. for people who had painful bladder syndrome and the woman who's in charge of my region for support groups told me and I don't know why I didn't think of this she said well we tried to meet in person but you know people who have painful bladder syndrome well those folks have trouble being in the car and sitting down right so we found that online was really the best way to go and I laughed and I thought well that's so true because I hate being in the car (laughs) (laughs) and sitting down is always hard Mm -hmm. so um online has been helpful I also really love meditation, and I did not used to be a meditator, but Mm -hmm. I really like meditation, and I have found that some kind of movement is helpful. I know that there are days when those of us who have chronic pain, when it feels like every fiber in your body hurts. There are days when you think, I don't even want to move, but just even just a little gentle stretching is helpful. Yeah. And then I always try and encourage people to find something that they enjoy doing. You mentioned uh, puzzles. Mm-hmm. My parents are now staying up later than they ever have doing puzzles. Doing puzzles, I know. <laughs> In the middle of the pandemic, who knew? Apparently um, there's a puzzle shortage. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> so whatever it is people like to do, whether it's reading, I love to, to garden, I like to do crossword puzzles. I like to watch Netflix shows um, and whatever it is that that can create a diversion that has been helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about meditation for a second because 
Uh without a doubt it is so important so helpful it's something that I do but I hear from a lot of people and even from my own experience it's definitely hard to begin to get into the habit of meditating I think a lot of people don't know where to start and don't know like how to meditate um yes for me I use this app called insight timer which I've just actually like in quarantine started to become very religious about and I make sure that 10-15 minutes a day I'm using the app and I'm meditating um yeah but I just wanted to ask you what your meditation looks like and how you got into the kind of habit the groove of doing it regularly or not regularly I don't know um it's pretty daily for me yeah um there occasionally I miss a day but for the me most too. part it's every day <laughs> yeah and I will absolutely second your recommendation of insight timer mm-hmm. I love it it's great um, right my counselor actually told me about uh-huh. it and I love it because if you are somebody who is new to meditation you can search by meditation's by the time you have available, and mm-hmm. they have as, as low as five minutes. Mm-hmm. Anyone can meditate for five minutes. I think they even have, like, three-minute ones, I feel like I've seen before. Yeah, in the category of five minutes, it's everywhere from, like, one to five minutes. Yeah. And you can, you can pick a, a one of those and sit on your sofa mm-hmm. or your floor, or I like to meditate in my recliner. I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I fall asleep. I'll admit I like to meditate lying down as well. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I've always heard... I figure if we fall asleep, that's what we needed, right? Yeah. And people say, you know, (laughs) sit up or whatever, but I'm like, if I'm most comfortable lying in bed, that's how I'm going to do it. (laughs) Then I'm going to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another thing that I would suggest is there is a wonderful book called You Are Not Your Pain. Mm-hmm. And it is by two people, uh, last names are Birch and Penman, and they themselves healed from chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And I got this book. It comes with some guided meditations, and it walks you through how to meditate. So you read a chapter or two and you do the first guided meditation. And it is specifically about chronic pain. And in the early days for me, when I was in horrible, horrible pain and cried all day and nothing seemed to help, those meditations were the few times during the day when the pain went down just a little bit. Yeah. So I I hope someday I get to meet those two authors and thank them because it was the first thing that helped me. Mm-hmm. And it, it just goes to show that the mind-body connection is so real and in no way does that mean that the pain isn't real. Like, of course the pain is real, but our brain does really play a huge role in in the pain and when we can quiet the mind the pain will quiet as well 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the part about how it doesn't mean the pain isn't real. Yeah. Because I think because that's a I misconception. Th- yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I had one appointment with a doctor that I never returned to who looked at my list of symptoms and said, well, there is one thing that could explain all of this, and that would be psychiatric issues. Mm. And my wife, thankfully, was with me, and she immediately put up her hand from me launching into, I don't know, some kind of diatribe, and said, thank you very much. We're going to be going now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we left. I want to take a quick pause to tell you about an amazing company called Quim, Q-U-I-M. It's a vaginal health and sexual wellness company creating lubes that are plant-based and infused with ingredients such as aloe vera, which has been shown to improve collagen and vaginal elasticity, reduce inflammation, and act as a natural antiseptic, and CBD, which is a non-psychoactive compound found in cannabis that has been shown to help moisturize delicate skin and alleviate inflammation and pain. There are also so many other plant-based ingredients in their products that have a range of benefits, but those are a few I wanted to share. So whether you have vaginal dryness or period pain, or you are recovering from a vaginal birth, or if you just want an incredible lube that's made with the highest quality ingredients, these are the products to use. They are also 100% organic and vegan. And just to make it very clear, I use so many of their products myself and I absolutely love them, which is why I'm talking about them and sharing this information with you. So Quim is offering all VHive listeners 10% off their first order by using the code VHive, that's V-H-I-V-E, at checkout on www.itsquim.com. That's spelled I-T-S-Q-U-I-M. So check out their products. I love using them. They are unbelievable and I Really think that you guys will love them as well. We left the office and we never went back. And I thought, I feel so badly for any of this person's future patients. Yeah. Because, of course, I understand that your brain is where the pain signals are processed. And, of course, I understand that there is a brain-body connection. Um, But... It doesn't mean the pain isn't real. Mm, of mm-hmm. course it's real. Yeah. And I, I feel like sometimes that message doesn't get through. And yeah. there are people who don't seek help because they're afraid of hearing that it's all in their heads. Mm-hmm. Or they've heard it before and, and they're afraid that they'll hear it again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I had a wonderful doctor who talked about how what needs to happen for people in chronic pain is that we have to turn down the dial. Mm. And I oftentimes picture that on the days when I'm having a flare, and I think we need to turn down the dial of the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that 
that is where meditation for me comes in. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for others struggling with similar health issues? Well, I think that a lot of the people I have heard from who have who have read the book or, or have read portions of it, they really have had their own experiences in some way with with pain or with chronic illness. And I'm, I want to read a, just a brief section. Mm-hmm. This is a poem that's included in the chapter that's about the medical system. And it's called Beseeching. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've heard, I've gotten feedback from other people with chronic pain who said that this is, this is a piece that they really felt. So this is called Beseeching. A receptionist with perky highlights and sparkly purple eyeshadow that belie her actual personality waits for me to produce a photo ID, insurance card, credit card, and every contact number I have ever had so there is someone to call in case of emergency. Isn't this an emergency, I ask to myself as I hand over sheaves of forms about blood type and vaccinations and surgeries and symptoms and medication history, but clearly I don't have enough pharmaceutical support or I wouldn't be here now, would I? Coiled scarlet pain screams through the thin pink paper gown, which is such a poor term for this hateful garment, that crinkles when I inhale and itches my pits. They must be afraid to touch me, despite their carefully gloved hands, not wanting blisters from the radiating heat roiling deep below my skin and threatening to take my mind before it knows an answer has been found from these calculating strangers in blue scrubs and white coats and rubber-soled shoes that half-squish and half-squawk as most escape the room, leaving one lone provider to determine my fate. Head cocked to the side as if pondering a diagnosis, she stares past my shoulder. Maybe she has no idea what is wrong with me, but nobody with those initials after her name wants to admit to being stumped, so she tells me it isn't an issue for her area of specialty and pretends not to see me cry as she strides out the door, pulling it shut behind her with a definitive whoosh. I am forgotten in a mint green examination room with yellowing stains in the pitted corners of the vinyl flooring over headlights winking at the joke. And that is a piece that I actually have talked to people after they've read it who have been in tears. Mm. And they have said, this has been me. Yeah. And I think many of us can identify with that um, and and feeling alone and knowing that you're not alone is something that I, I would want people to know. You you aren't alone, even if you feel alone right now. Um, listen to all of Hannah's podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> she has many of them. You will feel less alone. Uh, there are many of us out here who, who have been struggling with similar kinds of issues, and you will get better. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Uh, also, as a person with, with pelvic pain, I have always found it helpful to take an advocate with me to every appointment. Um, That's such a treatment good point. Yeah. 
Um, so usually I take my wife, and it helps that she's an organic chemist. I have seen conversations with doctors change completely from how they're addressing me to when I explain that she is a person with a PhD in organic chemistry. It is as if the there's a 180 shift. Um, so if I can take her along, I do. And uh, when she has been unable to, to be there because of her work obligations or what have you, I try to take one of my parents or my sister or a friend so that there's always someone else there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also bring, a, I found it really helpful as a patient to bring a copy of all of my medications and supplements. I keep a list and then I print it out and I bring two copies with me to every appointment so that the triage nurse can get one when you first get there and then you have another one that you can put on the counter or the desk or wherever so that the doctor or the nurse practitioner, whoever it is that's seeing you, can see it. Mm -hmm. That has saved, when I started doing that, that has saved so much time in the appointment so that you can actually focus on how can you help me yeah yeah and then right now and this pandemic that's going on it's obviously presented a huge struggle for people with chronic pain because it's much harder if possible at all to see our doctors and physical therapists and acupuncturists and massage therapists um, I know. So do you have any tips as to how you've navigated this current situation? Yes. I know that it is really hard not being able to see the people who do the uh, direct body work type mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. I'm really missing, missing my uh, cranial massage appointments right now. Uh, but what I have found to be the silver lining of the pandemic for those of us with chronic illness is that suddenly everything is available online. So I have been able to participate in some programs and webinars that normally would have only been held in cities or places where I wasn't willing to travel because I hate being in the car because mm -hmm. it exacerbates my pain. Right. <laughs> and same with a train, any, any kind of vehicle. Um, but this really can be our time to shine because things are online and the world has opened up with that in a way that it, it hadn't necessarily before. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people, especially if you are living alone and don't have a support person in, in your apartment or house with you, now is the time people are online, they're doing those online support groups, there are different organizations that are offering um, programs and Zoom workshops and all that kind of stuff and it's I've actually found it to be great because I will be very honest with you and tell you that I participate in most of those things while mm -hmm. I am in my pajamas yeah yeah <laughs> why not if you can why not <laughs> and for me as somebody with IC pants are a problem mm. um it, any any kind of constrictive clothing is is a problem it always exacerbates my pain so being able to wear sweatpants and pajamas and really comfortable stuff that I would never wear to work has been a godsend yeah 
Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And it's so true. I mean, it's something that, you know, I think that kind of just goes unnoticed right now. It's like, oh, yeah, we can wear sweatpants every day. But it actually feels so good to be able to wear sweatpants every day and not have to put jeans or real pants on. Um, It does. Yeah. It does. And I am a happy woman without having to wear my bra every day. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, And in terms of searching for healthcare providers or complementary medicine providers, is there something specific that you look for? And I just had a conversation um, with another doctor who said, you know, that it's kind of, when you when you find or when you pick, for lack of a better word, a practitioner, it's kind of like you're interviewing them because you're essentially you know, you have to do your research and your due diligence and you're hiring them to kind of help you navigate a really tough situation. So are there any specific ways that you go about finding the best providers for your personal needs and for your just personal goals and and, and the way that you, you want to go about healing yourself? Great question. And I know that this is something that a lot of people who are experiencing chronic pain of any sort are, are struggling with. We, we don't do a good job in this country of treating pain, and I should say probably any country. Uh, treating pain is, is a challenge, and we don't have enough people who, who do it. And I always recommend that if you go see a provider and you are not comfortable with that person or that person is not answering your questions or that person is not helping you, do not keep trying with that person. Find a new one. And I know that that suggestion comes from a place of great privilege. I am very, very lucky to be employed. I have health insurance and I am able to to do that, to try different doctors, and not everybody can. I look for doctors that will listen to me. One of the essays in my book was originally written as a companion piece to something that was written by my craniosacral therapist, and it appeared on a blog for people who are complementary medicine providers, and it talks about the importance of listening. And one of the things that frustrated me as a patient is that I felt as if I constantly was getting information about how to be a good patient, how to make the most of your 15-minute appointments, how to succinctly provide your information to a new provider. And I felt like there was all of this information about how to be a good patient and I wished that there was as much information about how to be a good provider and because I'm not a provider maybe I don't see those things and maybe they're out there Um, but I, I think that as somebody who has been to a number of different providers now there's a range in terms of how people are with working with their patients And I decided that for me, and I know everybody's different, but for me, I did not want somebody who wouldn't listen to me. I I wanted somebody who 
would actually take the time and listen to me and really listen to me. And I know now when everything is computerized, I've had appointments where you walk in and the person never actually makes eye contact with you. And I find that very, very disconcerting when everything is on a screen and no one's actually looking at you. So those providers I tend to to stay away from. Uh, One of my care team members is actually my dentist, who is wonderful. Um, And Dr. Patel in Frederick, Maryland is just fabulously wonderful doctor. And I don't have dental issues, but I love him because he actually listened to my experience and he wanted to learn about it Mm -hmm. and he has asked me for additional information about things like how I have found the uh, medical marijuana dispensaries in Maryland and the different medications I've tried and all of those different things. Mm -hmm. He's actually asked me for additional information because he has other patients with chronic pain and he wants to learn so that he can converse with them. Yeah. Which is, I I was stunned. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so unexpected, like... You probably never would have thought that you would have been having these conversations with your dentist. Never in a million years. Now, he is the nicest man. I love him dearly, and I know he's helping other people. I just, I wish that more providers were like that. Mm, I also wish that they would tell you if they didn't know something. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have saved a lot of time early on if some, and I know I'm a complicated person. I know I have many different intersecting health issues and I know that I am not an easy patient but I wish that if a provider didn't know something or didn't know how to help me they would just say I'm really sorry but I think that this is beyond my area of expertise yeah just tell me yeah that's a good point yeah no it's so true (laughs) just tell me and I'll move on right um but I do try to research people like I mentioned, I, I like to read the research articles, so if they have been performing research, I will read what what they have done, and that sometimes surprises them um, if it's my first appointment, and I'll have printed out articles <laughs> that they have written. Um, I like to read the comments from other patients, but I take all of those with a grain of salt. I mean, I'm a professor, and I know that there are ratings of professors out there, and you know, some people can love you, some people can hate you. So every you take everything with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to see what it is that they specialize in. So if they don't, for instance, specialize in interstitial cystitis or painful bladder syndrome and they're in urology, then maybe that isn't the place for me to go because that's my urology issue. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I also think that as important as it is to do your research, it's also important to not over-research because at least, yeah, I've found just from talking to people um, who are experiencing, you know, all the things that we're we're discussing, when you over-research, you also, I think, can find yourself in a a bad place. Yes, (laughs) yes. And you want to do your research on reputable sites. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely <laughs> when true. When you are looking things up, 
<laughs> because you couldn't find anything on the internet. Yeah. You, you want to go to a reputable site. Mm-hmm. And you may have a relationship with a provider that is way more positive than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I have certainly learned that there are other people with some of my conditions who have loved certain providers, right. and that particular provider wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. doesn't mean that person's a bad provider. That's just not going to be the person on my care team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. For my gynecologist, who is a pelvic pain specialist, she like for me, she was so helpful, so amazing. I found her just as as we've been talking about she listens spends time with you is optimistic makes you just feel hopeful and i i swear by her but i've referred a lot of people to her and a few of them haven't had the same feelings about her and it's not to say that you know she's a bad doctor because for me she was great but it's just that different doctors work with different people and it's just trial and error and if someone isn't the right the right fit for you that's okay and you can move on and, and find someone who exactly. is yeah exactly you have to find your people mm-hmm. totally and the last question that I just want to ask you is in terms of resources I know that you have so many and have of course spent so much time um just living this life in this world and have figured out so many ways to make yourself feel good and I want you to share all these resources with everyone listening so what are some of your most helpful favorite resources whether it's books or websites or podcasts um you know what are your go-to sources of information okay (laughs) well First of all, I would I would say to everybody, like we've said before, you aren't alone, mm. and know that there are people out there who will help you and who will listen. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the stage of your diagnosis, maybe you don't have a diagnosis yet, you're just in the, in the pain stage, you know something is wrong, if you are persistent, and I hope that you will be, you're not alone, and there will be help for you and you will feel better. You absolutely will. And you can. Yeah. And I would also encourage people to do one thing every day that has nothing to do with their illness mm-hmm. because you can become mired in your illness. <laughs> and that can be the only thing that your brain focuses on. So even if it's, you just go stand outside and look at a tree or whatever it is, something that has nothing to do with your illness that will help. Um, in terms of medical providers, I've seen a ton, and as I mentioned, I, I know I'm I am definitely aware of my privilege. Not everybody is has health insurance, and I don't know if you found this, Hannah, but some of the providers who take care of pelvic health issues and some of the more complicated type things, they do not take insurance. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I I do understand why that is because they would never be able to survive on reimbursements from insurance because the time that they take with each appointment, I mean, they can only see a few few patients a day because yeah. we're so complicated. So I do understand it, but I also know that that means some people can't get in to see them. Um, 
but some of the providers that have been really helpful to me, my primary care here where I live in Frederick, uh, Tyra Kane has been wonderful. Um, she helped keep me together when I first got sick and has been very open to working with all of the other specialists I see and has referred me out and that is what I would recommend to anybody who's, who's trying to find a good primary care is somebody who's willing to work with others. Um, Jen Fariello is a nurse practitioner. I saw her when she worked in Pennsylvania but she now uh, practices in New York and she has a specialty in interstitial cystitis and she diagnosed me with interstitial cystitis and really actually got me to start feeling better from that horrifically painful illness. Uh, Dr. Eckenberg in Pennsylvania deals with pelvic pain and is such a nice, caring man. And most recently, I've seen Dr. Kirschenbaum here in Maryland. He deals with allergies, and he has helped me with what seems to be a mast cell issue that may explain many of my medical mysteries. In terms of complementary medicine providers, if you have insurance coverage for these things or you can afford to pay, I can definitely recommend craniosacral massage and visceral manipulation, physical therapy. Those have been really, really helpful to me. And I, I can't explain exactly how they work, but I just know that they work for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very grateful. In terms of books, I mentioned before the You Are Not Your Pain book. There's also a book called A Nation in Pain by Judy Foreman that has a lot of information. It's, it's very, very detailed about treatment of chronic pain. I found it very interesting. The podcasts, I obviously highly recommend yours, Hannah. Thank um, I you. think I've listened to every episode, and you have many. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do at one mm. or two in the morning when all of my friends are asleep <laughs> and there's no Thank one to you. talk to, but I can hear your voice <laughs> and, that's you so know, it makes sweet. you feel less yeah. alone. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the podcast bodies? I am. Um, it's funny you say that because a few people have, have told me about it recently and I actually have never listened to it, but it's on my list and it, I actually it popped up yesterday I was for some reason I was on iHeartRadio's website it's a whole long story why but anyways um Bodies is part of their podcast network and um so I saw it again yesterday so it's just another reminder today that I need to listen to it I think you'd really like it mm -hmm. uh, I have found it helpful it it focuses primarily on women's health issues uh, there's also the Pelvic Messenger, which I know you're familiar with, and then the Tight-Lipped podcast mm -hmm. has also been interesting yeah. uh, for me to listen to. Mm -hmm. And in terms of organizations, if you have painful bladder syndrome or interstitial cystitis, the ICA, the Interstitial Cystitis Association, has been very, very helpful to me. Also, the ICN, uh, Jill, who runs that, the Interstitial Cystitis Network, she does a regular Facebook Live program every week and takes questions from people that has been really, really helpful for lots and lots of people. The National Vulvodynia Association has some good research available. And I have found an organization called the RSDSA to be helpful. They focus on people who have what used to be called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And it, it's essentially people who have 
chronic pain, and they have been, they have a lot of great resources that for me have been helpful. And then I'll just reiterate again the meditation that you talked about earlier. Definitely key. Amazing. Thank you. So many good resources. And last but not least, where can everyone contact you if they want to just, you know, send you an email or reach out to, to talk more with you? Great. Well, I love to hear from people, and I, I oftentimes hear from, from those who have pain or are working with uh, family members or spouses who are dealing with pain issues. Um, I, I've been really honored to hear that there are some people who have said, I found an essay that you wrote, and I printed it out, uh, or I copied it from your book, and I have taken it to my doctor, and I've said, this is what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. Didn't have the words for it, but here it is. amazing. Yeah, and I, at one point after one of my art shows, I had found several people standing in front of my, my, I had art and poetry up, and I found several people just in tears standing in, in front of them. And one person said, I don't have physical pain, I have spiritual pain, but I know that you understand me. And that I was very moved by that. Um, I hadn't thought about spiritual pain and emotional pain and mental health and all of that, but um, I had a, I was contacted by a veteran who told me that his, he read some of the things I wrote and he said, I, I don't talk about this with many people, but I know you'll understand. My outlet is, and he has a different artistic type thing that he does, and he said every night I, I know that I can either do art or I can get out my gun. And I do my art. And I knew that you'd understand. But if you want to contact me specifically, you can follow my author page, the Sarah Bigham author page on Facebook. It lists some of my upcoming programs and things that I'm doing from the comfort of my own home. And also, if you want to see some examples of my art or samples of my writing, you can go to my website, and that is sgbigham, B-I-G-H-A-M dot com. And if you want to buy the book, it's available on Amazon, and it's called Kind Chemist Wife, Musings at 3 a.m. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of your knowledge and the experiences you've had throughout your life and everything you've learned. Um, It was so interesting for me to hear and I know it will be so interesting and so helpful for everyone listening. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Thank you. You are most welcome. It was great to talk to you, Hannah. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.